Brian. Brian, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, Brian shared his message on about spiritual maturity, and God is taking him through a, a growth phase himself. And um, I really was blessed by his message. How about you guys two weeks ago? You know, we need to work where God's working, amen, and God's working in his heart. And there was a part of his message that he didn't get to, and it's the application part of how we as Christians need to apply it. And so we're just going to release him to uh, share in the word. Father, bless him in Jesus' name. Everybody greet Brian in the name of the Lord. Amen. Bless him. Am I on? Yep, there we go. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Power. Yeah. <clears throat> what? Well, so I wore this for a reason, right? Um, so last week I preached, right? And I, I say I, I, I looked the part, right? I dressed up. I wore slacks and nice shoes and shirt, right? And um, this week as I was preparing last two weeks about this whole thing, God said, who are you? Right? He asked me who I was. What are you trying to do? I was trying to look the part, right? That's what I thought I should do, right? So he just convicted me. He goes, that's not who you are. That's not the people at church. How they see you, they see you in shorts, T-shirts, some sort of ratty stuff, right? <laughs> because that's, that's who you are, right? And God wants all you to know that he can use you just as you are, right? You don't have to be all cleaned up and all that sort of stuff. So I wore this on purpose because this is me, right? So if you're offended, I'm sorry, but this is... Brian Hughes, and this is how uh, I work with God. So, so we're going to finish talking about spiritual maturity. I want to do a real quick review um, on how this works, right? So real quick, action. We talked about action, right? Action is the exchange of energy for a result, right? If you don't exchange energy, you get no result. You sit around, right? And you are full of intention, right? Lots of plans. Nothing's happening, right? So again, you have to have an exchange of energy towards your intention to get a result, right? Then we talked a little bit about believe, right? Where I think some of us learned, including myself, I believed a lot of things. I didn't know them, right? So I was kind of messing a little bit with your thinking, right? That it's a more about do you believe or you know? And by spending time with God, you figure out you know some things, right? So I now know that I can do a lot more things than God because... I'm up here trying to do some things, right? I had some intention. I believed I could. And through God's grace, he gave me the chance. Eric worked with me, right? And here we are. So I know I can do these things. I know I'm hearing from God, and I know that this word is for you guys. So a review of the different levels of maturity, right? You have the spiritually dead, which are essentially the unsaved, right? That's spiritually dead. You have the spiritual infant, right, which is the guy who just got saved, the girl just got saved, Right? doesn't mean you're just newly saved. You could be saved and still be an infant and be 90 years old. Right. Right. So this maturity has nothing to do with physical age. You could be 90 and be an infant, or you could be six years old and be a spiritual parent. Right. Right? It's all about the revelation relationship you have with God and how quickly you move up that ladder. You can choose to stay in a level, right? whether you're choosing to stay there or not. You could be staying there to choose, or choosing to stay there. A child, right? Next one above infant. It's a little more where you're, you've heard some information about the Bible. You kind of know the words in the Bible. You can repeat some things. You may have some things memorized, right? So you have more truth, 
but you haven't realized yet, it's still up here. Right? As a child, you begin to move it from your head into your heart to where you begin to have revelation that, oh, this is really how God is. This is what God means by this. This is the different things in God. Then you get a young adult, and this is where, as a child, when you start having a revelation in your heart that um, I should do this for people, you start wanting to minister to others and serve others, right? Because you realize, wow, me sitting around with intention and no action, right? That's not the right thing. You're compelled to do stuff. Yes, it did. I'll put it in my pocket. Am I still good? Sorry about that. I put it in my pocket, had a hole in it, and I forgot. <laughs> like I said, God uses anybody, the guy with the holes in his pockets. Um, so the young adult, like I said, is where you are compelled to do other things for other people. You're no longer satisfied just kind of being a, a pew potato, right, hanging out which I was for years, right? I was totally okay with hanging out. And now I realize how much I've missed out on and how if I just apply myself a little bit, God's like, here, let me show you all I can do. And then finally, you have the spiritual parent, right? Which this is the person who doesn't do anything for themselves most cases. They are focused solely on other people, raising up other disciples, mentoring, coaching, you name it. Their mission in life is to help others, Period. They understand their calling, they understand their gifting, and they are searching out and finding the people who want to be moved from infancy to child to young adult. Therefore, recreating themselves as a parent, right? Which is a great commission. Go create disciples, yeah. right? Amen. Okay, so how do you move from being dead to an infant? Any ideas? Correct. So first of all, you have to start to share with those people, right? Whoever those people are, maybe some in this room are dead, not saved currently, right? You have to share with them, right? God's love, right? Your journey, right? Because we were all unsaved at some point in time. All come from different backgrounds, different problems, life experiences, whatever you want to call it, right? And how God can help. At this point in time, you're not trying to pump them full of information, right? It is... God is there for them. He wants to help you, right? It's not this in-depth sort of thing. It's just more about there is a solution. You have hope, right? Many people don't have hope, right? And so finally, what do they do? You receive Jesus Christ, your Savior, and you are no longer dead, right? Just that easy, right? Spiritual man becomes alive, and you're moving forward. So ironically, if you want to move from an infant to a child, you also have to share with them right? Because they just got saved. They don't know a lot about the Bible, right? It's more about how God could help me before. I felt better, right? I have hope. Well, now it's more detailed information, right? Here's what you need to do as an infant to move to a child. And again, I'm going to use some things we do here at church as an example, just so you can kind of see, right? Love and logic, faith foundations, financial peace, Ironically, they're all kind of foundational pieces, right, to how you do some basic things. Financial peace, how to run your finances at home, right? Love and logic, how to raise your children, right? Faith foundations, what is Christianity, right? And again, so here, and you show other God's principles, there's all kinds of 
verses in the Bible, right, about different things. It's about sharing those things in small little pieces, much like you feed your children, your infants, right? You feed them milk for a long time, right? Eventually move into ground-up food, oatmeal, right? Give them the whole thing. It's the same exact thing, right? As an infant, you need to have someone pour into you, give you little bits and pieces until you get to whole food and move on and become a child. So I dare to say that if you are refusing things like love and logic, faith foundations, financial peace, and let's say the list goes on and on and on, which it probably does, if you don't allow people to speak into your life, you're basically saying, well, I'm good enough. I'll just stick with the milk. Right? And then you want the great I am, right? And not that he can't do it. But then you want the great I am to come in and fix the problem. But you've been choosing, well, no, I know enough, right? You're choosing to remain an infant, right? And you want him to what? Rescue you, right? Yes, he is our rescuer, right? But he's our father. What's he do? He teaches us to do things. He's not going to continually come in. I know with my children, I will rescue them when they need rescued, right? But there are some point in time you have to let them fail and fall down, right? Jesus will not continue to rescue you when you go back to that same vomit time after time, right? And so at this stage, as you're moving from infant to child, you're increasing the information you know about God and begin to apply it. It's coming from your head to your heart. Ironically, moving from child to young adult. Hey, recognize that word? Connect. Well, that sounds kind of familiar. That, huh, connect groups, right? Um, as a child, you need relationships, right? You need people from varying levels. You need people who are spiritually mature as parents, people who are young adults, people who are also children, people that are infants, right? You need to surround yourself with all those people. Why? Because even an infant can give you revelation as a parent, Absolutely. right? We don't all have it figured out, right? We all know in part, which is why you see the body is made up of, the body is made of many members. Yes, if we're not all there, we can't function, right? Mike may not get some revelation from somebody. If he goes, oh, well, I'm a young adult, and Alger's a child, I'm not going to ask Alger anything, right? But Alger may have the revelation about prayer and how to be a warrior, right? So, again, you can't just all of a sudden say, well, they're beneath me. There's no level here, right? It's just so you understand your maturity and how things work for you. So here... <clears throat> There are such things as connect groups, right? So if you aren't in a connect group, right? And by the way, I didn't like connect groups years and years ago. I'm just saying, years and years ago, I didn't want connect groups. I didn't want life groups. I didn't want cell groups. If it wasn't the, Chris, the church Christmas party, guess where I wasn't? <laughs> I didn't value your guys' fellowship because it was about me, right? I was a child, right? I, I was selfish, well, I don't want to go to a connect group and listen to everybody else's problems. That's how I viewed it. I viewed it as, oh, it's just somebody going to whine and complain. Oh, woe is me. And then I would sit there because I have my infancy and childish and say, well, they're just too ignorant to figure out their problem. <laughs> Let's be real, right? We all do this. We hear people say stuff. We're like, well, can't you see that's going to happen? Didn't you realize when you did the 300 times before, the 301st time doesn't happen again? Right? We all do that, right? But we all don't want to talk about that, but that's how it works. Exactly. 
And so this is where I was at for a long time. And I avoided connect groups and life groups, right? And so again, as, young adult, uh, as a child, Bible studies, again, being discipled, getting into the word, knowing some things, right? So this is a good part where, does anybody remember the mission? Scott and Carmen can't talk about this. What's the mission of connect groups? What's kind of their mission statement? Correct. Are those all actions or intentions? Wow. So I think Scott and Carmen were onto something years ago, even before our church really entered into discipleship. You guys thought about that? Isn't that pretty cool how a year ago, a year and a half ago, God put in their heart to connect groups and call it connect, and it's connect, grow, and do, right? Which is really discipling. And now what are we doing through as a church? Again, just connecting the dots, right? We're going somewhere, and it's things like that you got to figure out and go, oh, wow, I didn't realize. So when you doubt things are happening and going the right way, sometimes you stop. Again, I had this aha moment three days ago, right, as I'm putting this all together and praying. It's like, wow, a year and a half, two years ago, I just thought it was connect groups, life groups, right? I knew the mission, but it wasn't until I'm doing this where I realized, wow, two years ago, he set this all in motion, right, for the entire church, okay? So here, this is where your relationships with others, and you're applying what you are learning. You are no longer just consuming it in your mind. Yep, I got it. No, it's okay. I hear something. Okay, I'm going to go try it, right? It's taking what you hear and putting some action behind it, energy, and you try it, right? Energy can be, as we talked about today, praying, interceding. I know it's not a lot of energy as far as like physical movement, but you are applying action and you are praying, yes. right? It's not that, oh, Eric will do that for me later, right? Or, oh, Justin, he'll get it, right? It's no, we all have the responsibility. And again, this is how you move from a child to young adult. You begin to apply some of the things you've learned. Young adults, you want to minister, right? This is how you move from young adults to parent. You want to be ministering to people, right? Begin to help wherever you can. Begin to realize that I have something I can give. I want to give what I have, right? And so serving in the church, in your calling, right? The in your calling is an important part, right? Serving in church, yes, we're all called to serve, Right? There's a gift of servanthood, right? So we all are called to serve, right? Whatever that is. This is how I start out here. I've always kind of been the guy in the back, help with offering, do a little maintenance-like stuff, right? That was purely out of serving. I didn't ever feel like God had called me to do that, right? But I knew, based on how I was raised in my family, that I needed to serve in the church, right? No like sort of heart motive. I didn't have any sort of direction from God. It was just one of those things I would come in some days and go, again? You know, that's how it was, right? Well, now I'm beginning to understand my calling a little bit, right, and how things work, right? And so now I'm doing things with the youth, right? Had prophecies years and years ago about being a blocker for men and women of God. I thought that was you guys, me standing in the back, protecting you, (laughs) right? Or hanging out with the pastors, and kind of being their right-hand man, right? The guy with the baseball bat, trying to protect people off. Well, I realized that wasn't it. It's doing the stuff I'm doing with youth today, right? And so what am I doing? I'm serving as a youth leader with other people, right? In my calling with the youth, right? So I am now moving out of the child 
into young adult, doing things based on my calling, and there's a lot more power there. A lot more things are happening. It's not hard work anymore because the grace and mercy is there and things happen, right? And again, serving others, right? I find myself now wanting to help people more. I used to want to do that before because I thought that was the right thing to do, which it was, but it was the wrong motive. Now I just find myself going, wanting to text people, hey, you need help? What about this? Hey, can I help you with this? Right? It's just different. Before it wasn't that way. They could ask me I would help, but now I'm actually kind of being proactive and seeking out and finding some people. So again, shifting focus from yourself to others. Shifting focus, right? A lot about me, me, me. Young adults don't have that problem anymore, hardly. They think of themselves last, right? They're beginning to get to understand that they need to die to self. Parent, they're all about discipling, right? They're creating disciples. They're mentoring and coaching others. And their focus, they haven't shifted their focus, their focus, right, which means it's already been done. Their focus is they are looking at others, how they can help, and get them discipled. Okay? So that's a real quick thing. So now the question is, well, how do I do this? Right? So I've been talking to Eric a lot about this and thinking about my own experience again. I would rate myself as a child, just so you guys know. I hope you guys have all kind of rated yourself. I'm not asking for you guys to say what you are. I hope you've kind of looked at your life last couple of weeks and figured out where you are. Are you dead, infant, child, young adult, so on and so forth? Right? I consider myself a child, okay? And I'm moving to young adult. I'm learning new things, right, doing stuff. I'm getting revelation, but I am not there yet, right? So I view myself as a child. So I wanted to be able to tell you guys how to move. So I gave you some overview things here about here's your focus, here's how things work. You're shifting stuff from your head to your heart. You're doing some application, right? And so I've been praying, and again, it's kind of funny how uh, Eric always calls him Jehovah Sneaky, right? Um, we, had, we were meeting every other Thursday, and I said, you know, let's be more intentional about our discipleship time together. He said, I want you to read Exodus 34 and study Colossians 3. Just, and this was before any of what I'm doing today, okay? So... It was great. I'm reading it, studying it, and then trying to figure out how do you apply this? How do I teach it, right? Because we would all love, I would love, especially when I didn't understand this, for someone to tell me, step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this, right? Well, the truth is there is no plan like that. There is no way to do it. But ironically, in Colossians 3, it kind of tells you the recipe for success. Imagine that, right? Colossians 3, 5 through 17. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, you have taken off your old self with his practices. Taken off is an action. Amen. Right? If you choose not to take it off, choose to put on the new self, guess what you're going to have? Old self. Right? Again, I thought it was one of those things where God will take care of it. Well, you still have to choose every day 
to put on the new self. And put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image creator. Knowledge here is like the know we talked about, right? I'm being transformed, knowing how he wants me to do stuff, right? This sort of knowing. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ in all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe, action. Last I checked, in the morning we get out of bed and get dressed. Clothes don't just fly onto our bodies. Right? You actually have to get up, go to the dresser, maybe your floor, wherever the stuff is, right? Sometimes my clothes are on the floor, hanging on the door, on the end of the bed. But you go somewhere and put clothes on, right? Same thing, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, Gentleness and patience. It doesn't just come to you. Amen. Right? Again, it'd be like me sitting right here. Okay, compassion. Come on, compassion. Right? It's not going to happen. I'm just sitting here hanging out. Right? I have to actually go find it, seek it out. Right? God says, seek and knock. And guess what happens? I answer the door. Right? Same sort of thing. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Are we at peace with each other? I used to avoid people here. Just, I'm just saying. If we're all honest... I used to avoid people, not because they necessarily offended me, right, but because I didn't think you were very smart about how you are doing some stuff. I was very judgmental, right? Again, based on what you're doing, it's like, well, I can tell you what's going to happen next, right? And I would avoid people. I was not at peace with people, right? Again, through this thing with God, working all this stuff out, now I find myself when Tom and whoever says, actually go around and shake hands and say hi to people, I actually shake hands and say hi because I kind of want to now, right? Again, which is different, but that's how it all works. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Well, teach and admonish one another kind of seems a lot like discipleship, right? You're teaching somebody else as, long as, as well as yourself, but you're teaching somebody else, right? Admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs, with spirit, sing with God, and gratitude in your hearts. So, Perfect recipe, right? So I view this recipe kind of like this. You guys ever been to a restaurant where they have a set menu? Today we're serving these two things, right? You ever been to one of those? If not, it'd be like buying a car, right? You can always put options on cars, but if you get rid of the options, what do you have? A car. There's a steering wheel, a gas pedal, you know what I'm saying? Makes sense? So if you hadn't been in the restaurant that has a set menu, okay. So Christianity is the same thing. There's a set menu. There's a base car. God can give you options, which I call power and authority, right? He can build on top of the car, right? And so this is where I'm going to start to get into with spiritual maturity that applies to all of you, whether you're dead, infant, whatever, right? This is where you can begin to see how you start to move, okay? Sexual immorality. Okay, I'm just going to go through some of the things. Adultery, fornication, sexual perversion, immorality of the mind. Okay? So adultery. What is adultery? 
Yes. It is a sexual act. Act, not intercourse. Act, right? Everybody see the difference there? With another person in a marriage. Okay? You'll understand at the end why I'm doing this this way. Okay? I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Because this is what the Bible says, not what Brian Hughes says. It's important to know the difference. Right? Fornication. The sexual act where neither party is married. Best way to describe it, two teenage kids. Right? I get there can be older people. I got it. But this is how this works. Sexual perversion. Again, this is the other problem. We want to change the freaking menu all the time, right? So we don't say, well, you know, we'll kind of... We'll kind of say this part's okay. The Bible says homosexuality, bestiality, incest is wrong, right? Now, if you're participating in those things, doesn't mean we hate you. It means the sin you're doing is wrong, and we love you through it. I love you through it, which I couldn't say it before. I used to be very opinionated about this, right? Just being honest. But now it's different. I understand why you do it, because you don't know why. You're being lied to and deceived, and you bought the lie. It's a whole other story, but now I understand why, so now I can love you through it. Where before, you made no sense to me, so you must be wrong. I'm just, just saying, that's how it was, right? So immorality of the mind. I can look at the menu, I just can't order. Yeah, kind of, we know that saying, don't we, right? Pornography is immorality of the mind, right? And thoughts that are just... Sexual nature, where you're going down whatever path, right? That path is like the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland, right? It just keeps going and going, right? Impurity, the condition or quality of being impure in any sense, defilement, foulness, alteration, that which is, which renders anything impure, foul of matter, action language, something foreign, okay? Again, you have to understand what these mean, because I had my own definitions of these words, which then meant they weren't based upon the Bible. Which then meant I was always failing at the recipe. When it says to use sea salt in the recipe, again, I don't know all this stuff cooking, but it says sea salt and you have just regular iodized salt. Not sure if it matters, but I think they say to use that for a reason, right? When they say to put eggs in it, you don't go and throw sugar in it, right? There's a reason why. These things exist, right? Impurities corrupt, degenerate, waste away by the decaying influence of moral impurity. Lust. So this is a good one, and this is why. Because when I say the word lust, I know where everybody's mind went. Whoosh, the whole looking at girls and guys, right? What about cars? Food? Pick it, right? So again, this is what I did. I heard the word lust and, oh, sex. I can't look at guys and girls. You know, you're kind of like, you're always looking, you know, try, that's what I was trying to do. Of course, I was kind of like this, right? <laughs> uh, again, let's be honest, right? You're, that's how it really works, right? So again, but lust is a desire, a passionate longing, or an eagerness for. What are you eager for? If it's not Christ, it's lust, Pick the topic, right? What are you going after, right? That's lust. It's not, again, see the difference? Everybody kind of goes to the sexual side, but there's so much more than that, 
right? So that's why I want to go through these words this way. Evil desires. Mark 7, 20 to 23 says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of the person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Right? So evil desires. Just when that's the, out of the abundance of your heart, things flow, right? So if you are inherently, again, if you're not serving Christ, you're serving the enemy. We've all learned there is no middle of the road. It's hot or cold. So therefore, if you're not hot, you have evil desires, right? Now, I get it that if, as you're, same with me, I'm working towards that, right? Do I still have some of these things come out of me? Yes, but now it's one of those things where I'm actually catching it, and God's going, hey, here's one. Hey, here's one. But before, I just like, oh, it doesn't exist. Let's, that's okay. Uh, not this one. Not that one. Or I define it a certain way. That'd be okay for me. Right? I would change recipe. Well, I know you said, Lord, here's the menu. Um, can we add a side of broccoli to that? That's what we do, right? We compromise, right? All these evils come from inside and defile the person. These are things that come from your heart. Greed. So what's the first thing you think of when you say greed? Money. Hmm. Okay. The obsession with accumulating material goods, greed has no purpose and never be satisfied. Never. never. So, what do you want besides money? What are you trying to get? Take your pick, right? You'll never be satisfied. Right? Never be satisfied. Only God can give us true purpose, true peace, and true satisfaction. Right? I'm beginning to realize that more and more that as I'm patient and wait upon him, right? He wants to satisfy me. I don't find myself waking up in the morning now going, let's see if I go do this, this, and this. I can go do that, and I can make this, and right? My mind isn't so cluttered anymore. Any of you guys have problems shutting your mind off? Right? Is it because it's thinking about all kinds of stuff? It's thinking about all kinds of stuff probably because you're trying to attain something and go after something you don't need. Which, because you're not satisfied, guess what you're trying to do? All those things. Right? If you're satisfied and you wait upon the Lord, he tells you what to do. You don't have to go figure it out. Right? Idolatry. Worship of idols excessive devotion to or reverence for some person or thing. Again, this is pretty self-explanatory. What are you going after again? Cars, money, take your pick, whatever you're putting before God, right? Your Sunday meal at noon could be, right? It's 1149. I'm probably going over a little bit, right? But do you need food that bad? I'm saying the Holy Spirit's going to do some pretty cool things here. I'm going to do an example of this later, right? here shortly with Mike Brown since he's my guinea pig, right? But there's some powerful things the Holy Spirit will do, right? It's kind of ironic how about the great I am today, right, and how he can break into your life. You've got to start to allow him yes. to do that, right? And if you don't have these right recipes and you, you, you're substituting ingredients like generic drugs instead of the real drugs, right, you get some things that don't work. Where's the great I am? Well, you change the recipe. 
right? So you got to figure out why you changed the recipe, what, what lie you're believing. Anger, here's a good one. I was an angry person. Didn't realize I was an angry person. I was one of those guys where I could take a lot. And then finally the little straw, right? And then it was, right? And it was an ugly thing. Anger is a violent passion of mind excited by a real or supposed, which means not real, pretend, made up, injury, perceived, yes. Usually a company with a propensity to take vengeance or obtain satisfaction from the offending party. So whoever hurt me, I wanted to do something back to them because I'd feel better, right? This is longer lasting in time. It seeks revenge, okay? You can be angry for a while. Years. Years. <laughs> Just saying. You can be angry for a while, right? Which leads into rage. Rage is extremely angry, lasts a short amount of time, right? And you do, you do things you can't remember and you don't know why. Kind of delirious, right? And you've heard people say this saying right here, I'm so angry I can't see straight. Well, that's true. Right? Because, again, they're raging. Way beyond anger, they're raging, right? And so we think about anger as, well, it's okay. God had righteous anger. You're right, he did. Is your anger righteous? Because, <laughs> see, I always want to leave the word off righteous. Righteous anger, well... Wipe away, change recipe, no righteous. God's angry, got angry. Well, guess what? I'm now justified. I changed recipe, right? Malice, desire to inflict injury, harm, or suffering on another, either because of a hostile impulse or a deep-seated meanness. Evil intent on the part of a person who commits a wrongful act injurious to others. Your intent is to hurt people. All the time. Okay. Slander, to defame, to injure by maliciously uttering a false report. That sounds like gossip to me, right? This is where you go around and say, oh, hey, did you hear what Mike Brown did today? He wore those orange pants, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just saying. And then he said it was about intimacy, right? <laughs> That's fine. And I know they have... This is not true, by the way, just so you know. But you know, Ashley and Mike don't get along. Right? Why else would I say that? I only have one intent. That's to hurt those two. Right? That's exactly what it is. To tarnish or impair the reputation of one by false tales. Right? So unless you know, and by the way, when I say no, this way, I really truly mean no. Unless you have firsthand experience or you know about Mike Brown and Ashley, again, which is not true, She's just an example. I just want to be clear, right? You don't know. Right? You don't know. You're just repeating what you heard, a.k.a. gossip, telephone game. Things change, right? So if you think about anybody else in this church, unless you're discipling them and have a really, really good relationship, guess what you don't know? Everything about them. So unless they come to you and say X, Y, Z, you don't know. So if you don't know, guess what you can't do? You can't go be talking about it, right? Okay. Filthy language. Again, I had my own definition of this. Four-letter words. Just being honest, right? Swearing. Lewd comments. Well, that was one I didn't really kind of think about. Um, racial slurs, off-color jokes, right? 
just any of your talk in general, if you wouldn't say it to your parents, I know some people would. I, I've, I've been around those people. It's okay, right? But again, if you won't do it to your parents, you won't say it to your spouse, you won't say it to your in-laws, and you sure wouldn't say it to the Lord, guess what you probably could categorize it as? Filthy language. But again, well, I don't use four-letter words, so it's okay. Right? Again, we change recipe. Right? And so then what happens is the great I am can't come. Right? Because he needs to continue to rescue and rescue and rescue, right? Which leads me into my example. So Mike Brown, come on up here. <coughs> so you guys won't be able to see this real well, but you'll kind of get the point. I have a two by four. Okay. <laughs> And I have some drywall screws, okay? Drywall screws, right? So this is us, right? So this drywall screw represents our problem, okay? This drywall screw does, there you go. Oops, sorry. I got you. So the first thing we're gonna try to do is fix a problem based upon how we think it should be fixed, which is our own recipe, right? So hammer. Right, so there you go, Mike. Go ahead and put that screw in that board with a hammer. Don't. <laughs> this is kind of why I chose Mike and not some volunteer because I didn't want them to smash their finger. So, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yes, yeah. Keep going. Okay, cool. So he got the screw in, right? What you couldn't see was. The screw was all bent over, right? He had to change his angle of attack, right? And, but he got the job done, right? So that simulates, just like we talked about in the message so far, that simulates you have an issue in one of those areas, right? And you're like, oh, I know how to fix that. I'll quit saying for letter words. Did you hear what I said? You will stop saying for little words. Because you made the hammer work to put in a screw. Not the right tool. You're making the hammer work. So you can change what you say by talking real slow and think about every word, right, until you quit saying the four little words. And then over time, because you trained yourself to not say four-letter words, he won't say them. But your heart hasn't changed. So the same thing will happen in the other issue, other areas, right, where you will make it work as it appears. Right? Okay? So, next thing. Here you go. Here's this. So this time we have a Phillips screwdriver. Right? So this is more of like what it should be. Go ahead, put it in there. So as he's doing this, it's going to take him a while, right? This simulates, you know, I got some freedom once in an area, right? And I know the right thing to do is pray and get God involved, right? But it took a long time. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I've got to keep trying, got to keep persevering. Right, you're, it gets harder the deeper it goes. Right, the deeper God digs in your life, and it's hard. Yeah, now see, He's really working. <laughs> right, 
And about now, he's kind of going, man, this is hard. I want to quit. I want to stop. You know you got the right tool. Phillips screwdriver, Phillips head screw. You know those two go together. But still, he's having to use a lot of his own power. Right? A lot of his own power. Right? So it's hard work. That's good. Nothing can stop. You bet you got it in there. Good job. Okay? There you go. Two more. You're almost done. Good work. <laughs> They'll get easier. So this is what we do when we change the recipe. So if you've changed the recipe altogether, okay, here's what you bring to this battle. Got a spoon. Go ahead and put that spoon. Go put, put that screw in there with a the spoon. Go ahead and try. Does that sound like you guys' his head knocking on the wall? The same problem over and over? Right? You can stop. Okay. So sometimes we choose to bring a spoon to fix our problem. It's a new problem, potentially. We don't know what to do, so we break out the spoon, whether we know it or not, and we're trying to use a spoon, and as it sounds, right? It's like you're banging your head against the same problem day after day, same problem, same problem, same I can't fix it, can't get free, can't fix it, can't get free, right? And the whole time, I know he's not doing this, the whole time, again, it's his own strength, right? So far, everything he's done has been his own strength. The hammer, the screwdriver, right? Or the spoon, right? So then, this is the easier one for you. Exactly. So, God, cordless drill, right? So he's, go ahead, turn in there, won't take you long, right? Works a lot less hard, right? Not under, it's not his own strength now, right? It's the drill. Something else is doing it. Very simple, right? If we don't change the recipe, you can go sit down. Thank you very much. Good work. <clears throat> don't change the recipe. Follow it as it should. God wants to say, here's the cordless drill. But if you want to use your spoon, I'll let you. And we've all been there. I've been there where he's like, okay, I'll, you know, it breaks my heart, and I weep for you, and I really feel for you. I know you want to do the right thing, but because you changed the recipe, I can't really help you. You have to learn through the school of hard knocks how some things are to work, right? And so there's some verses about this, ironically. Which tool are you using? 1 John 2, 4 through 5. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. So, I know that you don't, you won't have it all figured out. We never will, right? But we have the recipe, right? So if you know his recipe and you're not following it, what's that make us? That kind of hurts, right? Now, again, I know it's one of those things you're working towards, right? So this is not a con condemnation message make you tear you down, right? But again, 
If we say we know him, this goes back to believe versus know, do you or don't you? Right? But if you say you do, again, change the definition of know a little bit. Uh, we'll tweak it a little bit. Right? And you say you know him, but you don't do what he commands, and that means you're a liar. Right? John 1 8 says this If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So, if you've modified the recipe, that allows you to say, well, I'm not sinning in sexual immorality. You're deceiving yourself, and you are not filled with the truth. Right? So somewhere at the time you get saved, right, until, you know, you're starting to get some knowledge of Christ, and you're mixing everything together, what happens to you is, you have your life experience, right? And you have what you think the Bible is, right? And somewhere in the middle, the two meet, right? And when those two meet in that spot, right, that's your view of Christianity. Okay? Where those two meet. That's your view of Christianity. That's your view of life. As Tom talked last week about biblical worldview, that's your worldview where those two meet. They meet over here, they meet over here, they meet somewhere in the middle. What's right? Guess who knows? None of us. Holy Spirit, Jesus, right? They know. Right? And so what you need to do to be able to follow that recipe and get the right ingredients, right? You have to untangle, unwind, where you put those two things together. Because maybe it should be in the middle, but you put them together over here. Right? Maybe it should be in the middle, you put them together over here. You have to begin to unwind, right? Get the Holy Spirit involved and find out where have I compromised the recipe? Where have I changed recipe? Where am I choosing to use those tools other than the power drill? Right? Because here's the cool thing about God, right? Today he's a cordless drill, tomorrow he's a corded drill, next day he's a ram set. Next day is a jackhammer. Who knows where the end is? Endless, right? But we continue to choose those other things, right? And again, we deceive ourselves when we tell ourselves stories. Told myself stories for a long time. Lots of time. Told myself stories, right? Are you telling yourself stories? Right? You gotta kind of check yourself and figure out what tool are you using? Are you using the right tool? It's also possible that you got freedom some time ago, and God actually gave you a hammer. And you're like, oh, I have arrived. I will use a hammer on everything. Now, the hammer he gave you may have been the right tool at the time for your problem, right? But we get stuck in, oh, I got freedom once in this. So now you're kind of like uh, bam, bam. That's like, bam, bam, right? Beating every problem to death. And we don't actually stop and go, Lord, what's the right tool this time? A saw? Oh, okay. I mean, you can, you can cut OSB with a hammer. I've done it before. I don't have a saw. Made it happen, right? But again, it's the same thing. So, God the cordless drill. Corinthians 2, 10 through 16. These are the things God has revealed to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, 
even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? Okay? So this would be your spirit inside of you, the spirit. Guess he knows everything about you, right? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Which then means the spirit of God knows God, therefore he knows which tool to give you to use and direct your life, right? What we have received is not the spirit of the world, which would be Brian Hughes' knowledge, okay, just so we're clear, right? But the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Again, he wants to hand you the cordless drill. Free, don't have to pay for it. Don't have to borrow it. You can just keep it, take it, give it to somebody else, right? This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Some of you in this room right now think I'm full of baloney, and I'm speaking a foreign language. Just to be clear... The spirit does not live inside you. You're probably spiritually dead. And it's a choice we all have to make. But this would be applying to you. This also apply to the people that are infants. Right? Well, I say I got my fire insurance, I got saved, I'm good. Right? Same thing. You hear this as foolishness. What's he talking about? I did it for years in the back. Didn't actually make fun of Tom and Eric, but I'd be like, whatever. Again, I get it. It's, if we're true and honest with ourselves, that's what we do sometimes. Worship happens. Well, this is foolishness. Right? Intercession, this is foolishness. Prophecy, this is foolishness. Why? It doesn't make sense to us. Because why? We're not in tune with the Spirit. We have no relationship, so therefore we can't discern it and understand what's going on. We try to do our own knowledge. We try to use the screwdriver, the hammer, right? And guess what? It doesn't work. You got to get the tool the Holy Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to mere human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Has God ever asked you for advice? I used to think I was a smart person and I could help him do whatever. Ironically, he never asked me for help, right? Ironically, he won't ask you for help either, right? Now, he may, you may have such a good relationship with him that he's going to do something to somebody, like he showed in the Bible to say, hey, Eric, should I really do this to this person? And because Eric and God have such a good relationship, and he says, please, God, don't. I'm working on that person. Don't, don't, don't smite him where he's at. Okay, I won't, because you're my friend, right? He will ask questions, right? But he doesn't need you to tell him what to do, because guess what? He's got the answer, right? So who has known the mind of the Lord as to, to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So, since you have the mind of Christ, so I need to grasp the recipe is possible. 
here's the cool thing about the recipe. Do I have the recipe memorized yet? No, getting close. Do I fully understand all those words that they mean? No, but I'm reading about them, right? But because if I set my heart on things above, focus on Jesus, I kind of don't have to really worry about all the ingredients in the recipe because he'll just say, oh, hey, here, here, right? My yoke is easy, my burden's light. Let me help you, right? Those who are weary, let me help you. I know you're struggling with this area that you didn't even ask about, but because you're pursuing him, he's like, hey, you have a problem over here. Hey, go fix this over here. I'll help you. I'll give you a drill to do it. I'll get a jackhammer out at first, right? Then we'll get the sandpaper out and we'll hone it and make it nice and smooth and shiny like it should be, right? So that's what's possible, right? So everybody close your eyes. John, can you turn some music on? Thanks. Holy Spirit, we thank you for today, Father. And we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you want to mess with our thinking, that you want to have us think differently, that you want us to have your perspective, as your word says, to actually exercise your mind that exists in our body and that is possible. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would begin to sit on these people. And begin to expose, show the areas where we have changed your recipe. Some of you may not be saved, right? It's a choice you can make today to change that. If you'd like to receive Christ, I'd like for you guys to come up and I'll pray for you, right? Again, maybe with some action to things, right? Make a stand, right? Others that are saved, different levels of maturity. You have some things going on in your heart. He's kind of showing you some stuff, right? Little areas here and there. He's kind of shining a little flashlight around your heart. Oh, here's something. Here's something. Right? Don't leave until you get what he's showing you.
because he wants to give it to you. He stands up here with a power drill. We'll take care of that right now. Right? You don't have to leave and go home and struggle through it on your own, on your own power. Right? But you can have that taken care of by the Holy Spirit today. Right now. It is possible for that to happen. Only the Holy Spirit will be able to do that for you. Spent many years doing it on my own. It doesn't work. Don't be deceived. Don't lie to yourself that you have it all together and you can do it because you need help. And when you get that revelation, lights come on, as Tom talked about last week, you will become not only the light of the sanctuary, the light of your home, but you become light of the world. But you have to actually light up the light first. It just doesn't happen. It's an action. You have to light it. Right. So if you guys need prayer for anything, uh, Alger and the ministry team come up. We'll pray for you. I ask you, please be quiet as people maybe get ministered to, right? If the same thing, if you need, need prayer for salvation, Alger and us, myself can help out. But please don't leave unless you need something because you're feeling it, right? You feel it. I've had that feeling. You feel it, right? And you have to literally overcome that feeling to walk out. So that same amount of energy it takes you to walk out, it takes less energy to walk forward.